I'm going to pick up in 1 Peter this morning, starting with the first chapter. Again, I'm going to continue to use the contemporary English version. It's more of a paraphrase than uh, literal, but I find it intriguing to read. So, it's my privilege to participate in and observe four generations of godly mothers. Um, my grandmother, my mother, my wife, and my daughter. And uh, there are benefits to each. And uh, with my grandmother, she was a person of incredible intellect. Uh, a stay-at-home mom, which was typical for that generation, but I still remember her quoting large portions of poetry and scripture, and just uh, she'd come out of a, a uh, professional family, uh, had wandered a little bit. She and my grandpa came to the Lord in their mid-20s, but where my grandmother was golden for me was the time I brought home a, a girl that I intended to marry, and I did the obligatory grandparent visit. Assumed it'd be 15 minutes. Uh, I got there and Grandma pulled her aside. And in using terms that we use today, she participated in the prophetic or read her mail. Those would have been uncommon terms for their day. But she, uh, she got in and basically got to this young woman and just said, bloom, 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 bloom. And we got out of there and she's, did you talk to her about me? No, <laughs> not at all. And uh, we broke up the next weekend. Uh, it was a God moment. You know, God spared me of, of some real crisis through my grandma. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I will have to cherish that memory uh, forever. My mother was glue in my home. You know, that uh, she was... My dad was Christian, but he was modest in his attempts to pursue it while we were growing up. Uh, I don't know if modest is the right word. It, it just, he wasn't fully connected. Later on, he did become that way, but mom was a glue, kept us in church, kept us connected. And I've watched my own wife be the glue in our family. You know, where us guys tend to be driven, you know, we're, we, we've got, always got something that we're looking outward in. And they keep drawing our attention back to the home. And, uh, and I watch my daughter doing the same things. And, you know, each of you may be at different seasons of that. You may be starting your own legacy. But there's a value to it that is just awesome. And I just want to appreciate that this morning. I'm going to First Peter. Um, I want to walk through that book. Um, We'll just start into it, and we'll talk about some of the themes and key words that we should notice. When you read words like chosen in Peter, or pilgrim, or even suffering, uh, those are some of the words that you're going to see repeated. Uh, and I just encourage you to just kind of keep that in mind to be aware. But it says, from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's people who are scattered like foreigners in Pontius Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, 
Some people are, some translations read, they're the chosen elect who are pilgrims and sojourners or travelers. Um, but to me, there's a, in, in this very first sentence, there's a tension that we feel as Christians because there is a thought that comes at times, if I'm God's chosen and selected, why isn't it all put in place now? Why, why hasn't it all been settled you know, if God's in control of all things, why do we still have suffering and difficulty? Peter is, is addressing a group that has been dispersed out of Jerusalem, and so there's persecution that has come on the church. They have gone out and all, all over the place. You know, and so from this wonderful group that grew out of the day of Pentecost, and some will say that it grew as large as 50,000 people over the period of year, a few years. Uh, you know, for this massive growth of Christianity, suddenly it's been pushed out, and now there's these little clusters everywhere. And they're wrestling with the society that says, you really don't have a right to this and should not be participating in this. And so this tension is a part of their lives, and Peter is addressing this group, and, and he's not ignoring it, he's not denying it, he's just... A... What's, what strikes me, though, is that before Christ died and rose again, Peter thought that the kingdom was going to be established in that moment. He's had to come to an understanding that it's already different than what he anticipated, but he still is locked in and knowing this is still God in this process. The second verse, it says, God the Father decided to choose you as his people. You say, well, how so? Well, he implemented a plan for you to come back into fellowship with him, for you to come into relationship with him. He says, his spirit has made you holy. You have obeyed Jesus Christ and are sprinkled with his blood. What's the most traumatic event that you can think of connected to your life. For some of you, it's instant. Others, it may take a little while to even come up with one. I asked myself that question earlier this week, and the truth is, um, it took me a while. I have this belief in my heart that to this point, the sorrows of life that have been associated with me have for the by and large been healed by the sprinkling of Christ's blood. That as, as those things have been processed and I've brought them to him, uh, the sting for the most part is just gone. You know, just as I mentioned breaking up with that girl, that wasn't simple. <laughs> 23 years old, you know, thought I had it all together. But there's really no sting associated with that. Well, there shouldn't be. You're an old fart. No, it, it, healed, it healed long ago. But it healed through the Lord. Some of you, you know, coming into Mother's Day, it's, it's a brutal thing, right? You know, if you're wanting to marry married and aren't, Mother's Day is just one more reminder. If you've had an abortion and, and you're recovering or, you know, 
it's one more reminder. You've had a miscarriage, it's one more reminder. You know, there, there are a number of things. If, if your kids have wandered off and you're not sure how that's all going to work, it's one more reminder. I want to suggest to you that Peter, the most traumatic event associated with his life was when Christ had gone to the cross. He had participated in failure. And he's left in this moment of, what's going on? That, that was a traumatic moment. And yet for him to be writing about being sprinkled by the blood of Jesus, he is saying, this is precious to me now. It was traumatic in the moment, but it's precious to me now. What was horrific in the moment has been resolved enough in his life. Later on in this same chapter, in the 19th verse, he's going to talk about the precious lamb who was sacrificed. He's going to talk about, uh, let's, let me read it real quickly, rescued by the precious blood of Christ. So when Christ was on the cross, his blood was being poured out, and Peter was in the, 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 the biggest dilemma of his life. It had been resolved in such a way with Christ rising from the dead that at this season, he's looking and saying, this was the most wonderful thing that could have ever been attached to my life. I truly believe there's a healing for the memories available to all by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so Peter, walking through this, is able to address a group that's spread out, trying to figure out what do we do now? Where are we at? Things haven't worked out quite like we anticipated. And he's able, like an older brother, to say, oh yeah, I've walked through this. We have faith and we have hope, and it's enough. Sprinkled with his blood. I pray that God will be kind to you and will keep on giving you peace. I just, this is what, what I desire peace be a part of your lives. In the trauma of whatever has been, pray that his peace overrides that situation. Praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is so good. By rising, raising Jesus from death, he has given us new life and a hope that lives on. God has something stored up for you in heaven where it will never decay or be ruined or disappear. So he's saying it doesn't all resolve in this lifetime. There's a future that's attached to this, and you have to address that and be aware of it. And that has to be your hope and where your confidence is placed. You have faith in God whose power will protect you until the last day. Then he will save you. I thought I was saved. <laughs> you are saved. You are being saved. You shall be saved. There's a dimension of this. When you came to Christ and your sins were forgiven, that was the starting point. But as you know, there's this ongoing work of the Spirit of God in our lives as he cleanses us. And there is this process, so to speak, of being saved where our lives are being transformed by His power. And there is this day when we will know as we are known. There is a future day when things will be set in order in the way that we anticipate should be. 
and we desire even now. He says, you shall be saved. As He has always planned to do. On that day, you will be glad even if you have to go through many hard trials for a while. He addresses suffering in numerous places in this book. And it's just, you know, part of the life of that day. But he's acknowledging even in the suffering, there is a value to this. He says, your faith will be like gold that has been tested in the fire. These trials will prove that your faith is worth much more than gold that can be destroyed. They will show that you will be given praise, honor, and glory when Jesus Christ returns. It's amazing, isn't it, how we think, oh, man, it's associated with gold, you know, precious gold. He's saying gold is worthless in comparison to the faith that's being developed in you. You know, we, we, we put all this premium. Do you know what it's at right now? How much for an ounce? You know, most of us are looking and going, I wish I could even buy an ounce. Uh, he's going, that's insignificant compared to the value of the faith that's being developed in you. You've never seen Jesus. You don't see him now, but you still love him and have faith in him. No words can tell how glad and happy you are to be saved. That's why you have faith. That applies to us even today, doesn't it? I mean, he's writing to a group back then and says, your group hasn't seen him, but you still have this thing started in you. but it applies to us as well. And then he talks about another group who didn't see the fullness of what would be, but they still were godly, and we admire them for what they did see in that moment. He talks about the Old Testament prophets, and he he talks about, and usually we associate this with, with the value that we place on Scripture, because it says that the Holy Spirit spoke to them, you know, and they were writing down what God would speak to them. But what we're to gather out of this, too, is that they anticipated something more than what they saw. We look back and say, that was noble and wondrous and awesome. And in the same way, when our lives address a similar thing, when we, by faith, live about lies ahead, even though we don't see it clearly, we desire it, we're living a very similar lifestyle, and he's attaching that, that honor that we associate with the prophets to our own lives if we will live that way. So he's laying out the example and saying, you look at this and you acknowledge that this was a good thing that they did. So too, it's a good thing in our lives when we live similarly. We get the glimpses of what the Spirit gives us. We get insights into what's in store. We don't have a clear picture we long for that. But he says, as we live with that faith and that confidence, that's what others did. It's not, not to be considered unusual. This is a part of history, not just New Testament history. This is Old Testament and New Testament combined. Part of God's plan for humanity. They told that they were serving you and not themselves. They preached to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And their message was only for you, even though angels would like to know more about it. He's going, even the angels haven't figured it all out. 
but they'd like to. Be alert and think straight. It says, with that in mind, be alert and think straight. Put your hope in how kind God will be to you when Jesus Christ appears. Behave like obedient children. Don't let your lives be controlled by your desires as they used to be. Let this truly work a transformation in your life. Live differently. As always, live as God's holy people because God is the one who chose you and He is holy. That's why the scripture says, I am holy, God, and you must be holy too. It's out of Leviticus 11, verse 44. In other words, He's not asking you to be any different than Himself. He's saying, I want you to live like me. As God is holy, then He desires us to live holy as well. You say that God is your Father. That God doesn't have favorites. He judges all people by what they do. So you must honor God while you are, live as strangers here on earth. Second time this term foreigners or strangers has been used. So you're, it's like you're out of place with what's going on in the rest of the world. But he says, just choose to live that way. Know that God judges all people. It's not just a cultural or a genetic heritage that's yours in Christ. It's not about just being Christian in a Christian culture. Or it's not about a family heritage. It's about this personal relationship with God. You were rescued from the useless way of life that you learned from your ancestors. What a powerful sentence. You know, the way that you were trained, some of it was messed up. Some of you are going, you have no clue. Well, you've gotten some insights. I'd almost guarantee there's more to come. That as we walk through life, there's this awareness, I've done this this way all of my life. I watched my parents do this. I watched my grandparents do that but it's not what he's calling me to now. And what he's asking of me is different than everything that I have as a part of my heritage. And yet, I'm to change. And if I want true health in this area of life, I'm going to have to live differently. What a powerful sentence here. Rescued you from the useless way of life that you learned. Parents do their best, right? No parent sets out and say, I'm going to see how bad I can mess this thing up. No one sets out that way. But none of us gets it perfect. It's frightening when you see it coming out in your kids and you recognize it was a part of you. And you have no power in the moment to change it. And you just pray, God, please change them quicker. Or break this, yeah, break this generational curse off. Yeah, there's, that's part of it. But it, it is, there's this awareness that we, we have come out of depravity, been part of a depraved people. We have not been holy. 
And yet God desires to move us into to a health that, that we can't even see clearly. But as we step forward in faith, not even, not even truly believing that what he's asking of us is going to pay any dividend, there's somehow this thing that as I keep living it, you know, at one point then I'll look back and, oh my goodness, this really is valuable. This is worth it. How did this happen? How did this good come into my life? And you're going, I actually, I actually believe it now. How does that take place? I can't tell you, I just know that it does. That as we make choices in right paths, even though it doesn't feel right, even though our heritage says this is foolish, it somehow has great value. It's just like, you know, if your family's used to paybacks, you know, everybody learns how to fight different, right? But you're used to, you know, nobody gets over on me. And yet, you're taught that you're to learn how to forgive and even release people from things. And in fact, you just say, I'm not going to hang on to that at all. It's not worth it. Well, who's going to set them straight? What's going to keep them from doing that again? When am I going to get mine? All of those questions come up and you have to fight against that and just say, what has God called me to? He's asking me to forgive in this moment. What am I going to do? And you have this choice, this faith choice. And yet as you step forward in that, you begin to realize there's a measure of health there and not dragging all this baggage along with me that I never dreamed possible. And I actually have been able to forget things that I thought would be rattling around in there forever. In fact, it doesn't hurt anymore. How did that happen? He's rescued you. Christ was chosen even before the world was created. But because of you, he did not come until these last days. And when he did come, it was to lead you to have faith in God, who raised him from death and honored him in a glorious way. That's why you put your faith and hope in God. So he says, this death and resurrection of Christ is crucial to all that we believe. God chose Christ before the beginning of time, brought him to us, oversaw his death and resurrection, has promoted him into glory. And you have that same hope that the power of God that exerted that in Christ is the same power of God that's working in you now. You obeyed the truth and your souls are made pure. Now sincerely love each other. You must keep on loving with all your heart. Do this because God has given you new birth by his message that lives on forever. The scriptures say humans are like grass and their glory fades like wildflowers. Grass dries up and flowers fall to the ground. But what the Lord has said will stand forever. He quotes out of Psalms 103 or Isaiah 40, takes part of those passages that have addressed this example of us being temporal, 
And the astounding thing is that the eternal God saw a temporal being and said, I still want to invest in them and give the, the eternal. I mean, if he knew that we were like grass that just grows up one day, is gone the next, why would he even bother? And yet he did. And that's the beauty of what's a part of our lives, knowing that even though we've, we will fade away, and yet God chose to come and invest in us while we're living this life, that we might be with him forever. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Stand with me, will you? There is a measure of life that we live like foreigners, and you have to embrace that if you're going to embrace Christianity. It's just a reality. So it's better to get it dealt with now than to just keep chewing and say, well, I, I wish it was different. It's not. I also embrace it as a part of your faith. But let's, let's take it a step further. Even though you're a foreigner, there is a wondrous hope in front of you. And so you cling to that, knowing that there is a day when all things are set in order. Now, in today, as we mentioned, Peter had walked through a traumatic event, and now he's able to glory in it. It may be that you're still wrestling with certain traumas in your life, or maybe you're currently in a situation where you're just going, I don't know how to get through this. Let's pray that the blood of Christ sprinkle that situation with his cleansing power and set you free. That he bring healing in a way that just seems impossible in the moment. That's what's available to us in our salvation. It says, by his stripes you are healed. Father, we ask that over this congregation in this moment. Some here have had sorrows that the rest of us can hardly imagine possible. Some are walking in sorrow even this morning. I ask that by your precious blood, you bring healing, even in this moment, in a way that seems impossible. Let hope, let hope rise up in a way that hasn't been. Let faith and confidence in your goodness be set in place the knowledge of your love fill the heart even in this moment. We thank you that that's possible in you. We thank you for this scripture that declares it in you. Amen. Amen. When I was giving the example of four generations, I uh, missed one. <laughs> if you see child passing on the faith in a positive direction brings great comfort to your own heart and uh, that's part of the process as well because you can begin to take a, a joy that says this is going to go on and so as you develop your own legacy no matter where you're at moms we just pray that uh, you will be able to to establish this is 
how my house is going to live, and then you train the next to do the same. And we will celebrate with you as the generations pass. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May their hope be strong, knowing that they are saved, they are being saved, they shall be saved. Knowing that what lays ahead is wondrous beyond description. And as others have sought to see the future, caught glimpses that you will give and have given enough insight as to what lay ahead that we can have a confident hope strong faith that endures all that is today. As each one goes out into the community, I pray that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I pray that their deeds will be fitting with the workings of your kingdom. I ask that you'll enable them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. We long for your return. Amen. Amen. God bless you.